welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history, taken from the definitive AEW match guide lists as voted by wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice, support the podcast financially on Red Circle, and make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, and the Grave Consequences Podcast that cover all aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest for today is a rapper, a producer, a writer, and one of the mainstays on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, the one and only Rich Ladder. And to kick off the second season of the AEW Match Guide, we're looking at the match that took out the number one spot in the original Match Guide, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks from Revolution 2020. How are you going today, Rich? I am very excited to be here. I'm great. Um, How are you, Sam? Mate, I gave you the the big wind-up because I am pumped here. I love doing the first season of the AEW Match Guide. Uh, and now we've got a whole new set of list of matches. Uh, if you haven't seen Volume 2 of the Definitive AEW Match Guide that covers uh, the top matches in AEW from 2021 to 2022 yet, uh, there will be a note in the description. And it, it's a whole new slate of wrestlers, you know, the return of live crowds, a whole new set of matches to get stuck into in the coming weeks and months. But, mate, to kick off this season, I wanted to go back. Uh, to one of the big ones that we haven't covered yet. Uh, I wanted to kick this season off with a bang. It's the Revolution Tag Match, just one of the most revered matches in the history of AEW. Pretty much what I would say the defining match in the promotion's history. So much like rich storytelling along with the insane action, of course, that all these guys are known for and stories within the match and callbacks and uh, just just the the solidification of a main eventer uh, in this match. There's like, uh, you know, Kenny trying to remind, you know, everyone who he is at this time. Like, you know, ironically, I was last time I was on the show, we talked about um, Kenny Omega and Pac and I always saw this uh, tag match and that singles match kind of as like the A side and the B side of a record. Like, <laughs> and it was almost like the American introduction of like the Kenny Omega that, you know, we all fell in love with like before, uh, you know, AEW existed. And then, of course, the Bucks, like, <laughs> it's it's not even it's it's an embarrassment of riches to look at their uh their tag team resume and all their matches but this is the cream of the crop this is the best match they've ever had this is the best tag team match of all time in my opinion and as i said it's the defining match in aw history yeah there's so much to dig into and yeah i'm i'm so keen to get started um, but before we do get to that, Rich, um, we always do start out with some sort of introduction. Uh, if you guys want to know how Rich got into AEW, which is what I normally ask people, um, go back to the second episode of this podcast where we talked about Pac versus Kenny Omega, uh, and we spoke about how Rich how you got into AEW. But this time to have you on, I'm just interested to know your feelings on how AEW has been going. We're three years in. Um, what are your feelings on AEW, you know, much deeper in than we were last time? 
I think uh, AEW is like a fully formed promotion. It's not like the the little engine that could anymore. It's not like yep. it, it it should not be a surprise successfully. Like you know when it comes to like you know w- how strong they sell tickets at this point, their pay per view stuff, their ratings. It should not be a surprise, but for some people it still is. Um, I that kind of makes me wonder. Um, but this quite frankly, I think is the best like American television wrestling that there's ever been um, from 2019 to here. Uh, there's been a lot of different spirits of the promotion. I would say in that time, like in, you know, each champion has kind of put the promotion in their image a little bit. I'd say mm. the do, is AEW at this very moment, the, the, the top of what I felt about it. It is not there. There have been, um, you know, a lot of imports into the company. There have been a lot of people that are no longer with the company that were here. Um, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it, you know, there is just different. It's not, not necessarily worse or bad, I would say, but there was just this, and, and it still exists. Like I watched uh, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers last night, and I was like, "Yes, that's my AW. That's that that mm-hmm. crowd that that I I knew the the first couple years that is just like absolutely living and dying, going insane." And it was in the Bucks' hometown. And I think the thing is with the promotion, I actually wrote a column a couple weeks ago. Like the promotion was always set up to bring talented others in, right? Mm-hmm. But you do lose like a little bit of that spirit. You're, you're bringing your new fans now that are in on this thing. There are people that are not necessarily watching AEW and going crazy over it. There are people that are showing up to shows that are just, you know, there's somewhere else with it. Like, you know, mm. but um, I think that it is a strong promotion. It, it is a well-booked promotion uh, and they still don't insult your intelligence. There's still a lot of the mm. core tenants there that we like. They're mostly clean finishes. Um, there are, you know, uh, they, they know how to build heroes. Like there's mm. like, there's not, a, it's not a situation where you just feel like they don't care. They're not listening. And, for me, they've they've kind of kept, you know, a lot of the, the the concerns that people had um, in the in the uh, initial days. Some some people say, hey, man, there's not enough black wrestlers here. There's not enough, um, you know, there's not enough women. There's not enough uh, some of the some of the stuff in good faith, some of the stuff in, in bad faith. I feel like a lot of that stuff has been addressed over time. Uh, and I feel like, you know, just quite frankly, to the core essence of it, like the wrestling had it when it's game day, when it's time for the big show. They knock it out of the park most of the time. Like we're on an all time run that I hope people um, realize that, that we're on and it it pulled Chad Matthews into writing again. It pulled me into writing again a little bit. (laughs) So yeah. And and that's, I created a podcast because of it. (laughs) Correct. You know, and and like Sam, Sam, you've done such a great job, like just like exploring the deeper side of all these matches and, uh, and talk about why, like I feel like this is the defining ma- uh, match in the promotion that we're about to talk about, but that's just my opinion. There could be someone else that sees like you know, like there's a lot of different variety. There's, <laughs> it's it's a big pot of gumbo, and I think that <laughs> uh, you know it's still the best promotion, right? And and it's been the best promotion. I don't see that changing really you know even yeah. as like you know philosophically like it feels a little different sometimes like with yep. uh you know you know like like for example like cm punk being the yeah. champion at the moment um 
and you know, it'll be it'll just be a new time. Yeah, man. Look, I I was guilty of that a little bit. Thing to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a guy who loves to ride the guys that I love really emotionally and wear my heart on my sleeve. Uh, and that means that I do get crushed when they lose sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, afterwards I was kind of just like, oh fuck this CM Punk guy. Like, this is a guy who left. He came along like he didn't when it come was safe. until yeah yeah like he waited until this thing was a success to actually make his move. He he didn't risk it, you know. Right. But at the same time, like I'm you know that's just because I'm so into like what I'm into, forgetting like how much I raved about MJF versus CM Punk, saying mm-hmm. you know this is one of the great feuds not just of AEW but of, of all time, uh mm-hmm. in in terms of what they're being able to do storytelling wise and. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit more chaotic than I'd like it to be. You know, I I loved it when it was booked around the Elite and it felt like the Elite. And we'll kind of talk about that, I think, with talking about this match, which is, you know, a, a match that is made in the image of the Elite uh, and, and really is is all of the philosophies of the Elite, the elite distilled. Um, I, I love that stuff. And, you know, it does feel – it did feel like we're turning a, a page a little bit. Uh, yeah. And – and 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 for me there was a bit of sadness there but you're right it's still a promotion that respects its audience it's still a promotion that is gritty um that isn't afraid to be violent and to be adult uh isn't afraid to challenge its its audience and and lets its wrestlers really get out there and rip and tear like you know my favorite wrestler of all time john moxley has just been let off the chain by this promotion and he's just kicking ass left right and center uh, mm-hmm. And you know, when I look at where what he was doing in the competition, you know, I I still loved it. I loved him as Dean Ambrose in the WWE, but God, it's it's somewhat of a downgrade at this point, particularly. So yeah, it, it is easy to forget, you know, <laughs> how, how good this promotion is because we're we're yeah. spoiled, um, you know. And it's like a, every week, it, it's like there are mm-hmm. dynamite cars that are just like yo. Have, if this would have happened, like, and these things happen so frequently, it's like these would be talked about as like legendary shows. Like, if this was like 20 years ago on a Thursday or a Friday or something, like, <laughs> these are legendary shows happening in real time. And I don't know if people are really grasping that, but one day they'll see. Yep. Anyway, let's get stuck into this match, Rich. Uh, time is of the essence. Um, let's get into it. Uh, so, as I said, this is a match that is well revered. Uh, as we always do here on the AEW Match Guide, we will give the match its flowers, and this one has some very nice-looking flowers. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Letter gave this match six stars. It was the first AEW match to break the five barrier. Cage Match currently has it rated at 9.65. It is still, to this day, the highest-rated AEW match on that uh, and this is still, to this day, the highest-rated AEW match by Dave Meltzer, I should add. And, of course, when we did the original definitive match guide, this one came in at number one with a bullet, absolutely romped home. So this is a match that is held near and dear to the hearts of the people who love this promotion the most. And part of that, I think, is it, it's such a culmination of a very special story going in with the build, uh, which we're going to get into in the meantime. And as you said, just some really pulsating action going on. So let's get stuck into the build. 
it, it is ground that we have trotted back in season one, particularly in the episode where we covered uh, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. But I want to dig into it here with specific emphasis on this match. Now, along with Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were the founding fathers of AEW. Um, but early on in the promotion, in the actual ring, um, they weren't as successful as they'd hoped, with Kenny losing successive singles matches to Chris Jericho at the original Double or Nothing, to Pac at All Out, and John Moxley at Full Gear. Um, and while Hangman was successful in winning his way into the match um, to be the inaugural AEW champion, he would lose the biggest match of his life up to that point against Chris Jericho for that AEW championship at All Out in 2019. For the Bucks, they would lose the match of their in their rubber feud with the Lucha Bros uh, at All Out as well. Uh, and then in the opening round of the tag title tournament, they would be upset by the bottom seed, Private Party, um, who would roll them up and take the win, eliminating them from the tournament and preventing them from becoming the first tag team champions for AEW. Rich, these are the people who made the company in many ways, uh, the elite were. They were the ones who sort of generated the groundswell that became the initial um, fan base for AEW. How did you feel uh, as part of the fan base uh, with the elite taking so many L's early on in AEW? I didn't mind it because a lot of these guys have had some of their greatest performances in defeat. Um, and I think their, their losses early on were to do three different things. One, it was to placate the people that I thought all they do is push themselves. And there was a lot of like, just, just bad faith trash that was going around with, with this. I remember um, when like, you know, like Kenny, for example, I I wrote in the past that he set up the main event of the like main event scene of this promotion throughout the first three years, losing clean to Jericho, losing clean to Pack, losing to Moxley. All three of those guys like go on those singles runs in the beginning of the year, and then you stick Hangman with him, and he's doing the story with Hangman the whole time. Like he did clean successive jobs to people to basically validate them knowing he could get it back with his own talent the bucks did a bunch of losing in the beginning to uh kind of open up other avenues elsewhere so like my second point is they helped the guys they wanted to position um for you know the company like if you're just beating everybody like you would run into a problem with number one on the list and the third good reason or thing that happened out of them losing so many times was it gave them a chance to set their own story up on national television and give them mm. somewhere to climb from. So people could take a journey with them. Like the, as much as like those of us that were there before AEW, we're already on the journey with them. We were bought and sold essentially. Like, you know, we, we were in like everyone wasn't there. Like the audience just was, it was such an unknown time. And, and they were like, yo, mm. we got to give everyone else a reason to, kind of love us as well and if it's just like yo we're kicking the shit out of everybody forever that can that can dry up quick and mm. yeah like and, and as far as them like doing the losses like i i figured i, I thought it was smart to go with jericho at the beginning and then mm. you can it, it's i find it uh i find booking fascinating because sometimes it's not necessarily who you wrestle but when you wrestle them and when it makes sense, like, and I thought, I think there have been 
interesting strategies. And I think you can loop Cody into this as well. And, you know, I was, you know, Cody Rhodes recently departed the promotion. Everyone is aware of that by this recording. And a line with him that he, you know, kind of said kind of stuck with me. And sometimes it's not about what someone actually says. It's about what they don't say. And when I hear things like, I wrestled everyone I wanted to wrestle. Hmm. So you didn't wrestle like Hangman. You didn't want to wrestle Mox? Why? Didn't want to <laughs> wrestle Mox. Didn't want to wrestle Cody. So it's like that that that's strange for me. But in these guys' case, like I can't think of someone that they've like ducked or uh anything like that. It's like everyone uh you know them doing these jobs, I think, was the foundation of the promotion. Like, and if anyone could get it back, it's these guys. And they did in spades. Yeah, it's interesting because it achieved different things for Hangman and for the Bucks and Kenny, I think. Because um, for Hangman, it really set up his character. Um, whereas for the Bucks and Kenny, it set up, it did everything that you were saying, but the losses for Hangman, like, it set up <laughs> his, his character. And I remember going into that all out match in 2019 um talking to chad matthews he was kind of like strap up the young guy let's see what he's got like you know you put him in this position what let's see if he can go the whole way and if that had happened i even think the AEW diehards because if we were all honest with ourselves hangman was the least favorite of the group people people thought you know people loved kenny in the ring the young bucks in the ring Mark Skrull and Cody were hilarious. Like, they were hilarious characters. And then right. Hangman was, like, the extra guy who was funny and was <laughs> endearing and, and people liked, but he was definitely not a feature. If it, if it was just him, he wouldn't have got to the level that he did um, early on. And if he had won at that point, I think people would have been a little bit miffed at it, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't have been as excited by it. But because he lost uh, and because he then, like, eight losses to... Um, MJF, he ate losses to Pac. Like that in many ways sort of set up a character for him and set up a hero's journey for him as well. And as you said, like it also allowed the elite and Kenny to sort of when they came to the fore, they could do it on their own terms instead of just being by default because, you know, they're the founders of the company, they're the EVP. So of course they're going to be the featured, the featured talent. And then storyline wise, like, Dynamite actually kicks off in 2019 with Hangman having lost, trying to distance himself from the elite because he feels like uh, after losing that biggest match of his career, uh, he he doesn't feel like he fits in the elite because, of course, the elite, that's that's like rare company. Uh, and he also feels rejected by the Young Bucks who refused to corner him in their match against Jericho uh, as they did for Kenny uh, in his big matches in Japan. And that feeling was compounded by him losing to MJF for the Dynamite Diamond Ring uh, after after full gear. Uh, however, Hangman and Kenny would sort of unite uh, as a tag team after Kenny's losses as well uh, and decide to focus on themselves as a, as a tag team unit. Uh, they worked well together in various matches early on. And then after full gear, they started to move up the tag team ranks uh, and... After a few months, they actually won the AEW Tag Team Championships in January 2021. Um, what did you think of of the like the tag team pairing of them? Obviously, as you said, like it it helped make Hangman a star. But like storyline wise uh, and character wise, what did you think of the pairing? 
I thought it was an interesting team. I remember the first time they teamed, I, I think I had sent a tweet out like, huh, who knew that, you know, like, <laughs> like where do we rank the Kenny and Hangman tag team in the in the realm of the elite? Um, and I, I thought it was kind of a funny joke thing. And then it was like, oh, shit, they're actually going to pair them together for a while. And mm-hmm. I was like, and then knowing, you know, Kenny's kind of rich history with tag team partners. Um, and I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, this is, you know, instead of it being a bougie, it's Hangman. I'm like, all right, maybe Hangman can, you know, be at that level. Um, and then they were kind of bonded through uh, through loss, essentially. And the this match itself is a result of loss, like the Bucks, like just losing all the time, you know, and all the big matches, you know, and then um, Ken, uh, Kenny and Hangman coming together off a of loss. And it was like, all right, who's really going to like they, these two teams had to fight each other out of like a pit, essentially, to see who would emerge mm. from this pit. And as far as them uh, being the champions, I thought they were on a very stellar run at this time. Like they were uh, they were character wise, really just uh, setting the the standard, like as far as what the matches would look like uh, in this promotion where they could each easily shine. Um, Hangman was going deeper into the drinking thing and over and over and over. And I think it was a safe haven kind of for Kenny as well to where he could hang out outside of the main event picture. Hangman could hang out outside of the single division. So those losses dried up. So uh, mm. as far as the the character dynamics, though, like they, they just had undeniable chem- chemistry, I think, with, with Kenny mm. and Hangman, where, you know, the, you know, you, you have your folks that were supporting Kenny Omega. You have Hangman Page and the incredible reactions and scoring the pins. And it just it just worked. Mm. Uh, it's interesting like how in AEW I really like how individuals can have friends but they maintain their individual characteristics and they'll often like have a have a, a guy that they team with you know like John Moxley and Eddie Kingston obviously uh Darby Allen and Sting you know these guys are individuals uh and they retain individual aspects even even you know nowadays we've got um Keith Lee and Swerve these are individuals, singles wrestlers. They've got their own themes. They've maintained their own. They maintain their own um, unique characteristics, but at the same time, they are very much working together, um, and and they fit together. And Hangman and Kenny, of course, do that because they've got so much history together. Uh, you know, they've had an up and down relationship. If you go back you know, to, to back in their time in New Japan. At one point, mm-hmm. you know, Hangman was the guy who was getting in between Kenny and Cody uh, and being the one that was stopping Kenny from getting to Cody. But at the same time, they've tagged together back then as well. Uh, you know, they know each other very well. Uh, and storyline-wise, like, as I said, Hangman was sort of felt rejected, particularly by the Bucks, not wanting to to corner him and we'll get into the Bucks reasons for that as well. Cause I actually had really good reasons for, for not wanting to corner him, not being able to corner him. Um, Cause they were nearly dead pretty much. <laughs> and they predicted that that may be the case. Um, so they said they probably couldn't corner corner hangman page, but, but Kenny was kind of more trying to unify the elite and, and, and keep them together more so than the Bucks, much more so than the Bucks. Uh, and so him and, and hangman, 
getting together was sort of like Kenny trying to hold on to Hangman and Hangman, I guess, seeing someone who he had like a bit of a kindred spirit in. They were sort of on similar tracks. They were single stars who were losing and maybe they could get something out of this. Uh, and, and I liked that, as I said, like the individual characteristics, they had very different responses to when they actually won the championship. Kenny is kind of like nonplussed by it. He's like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I guess we're a tag team now. Hey, we're the tag right. team champions. This is, this is kind of fun. But I still think the Young Bucks are probably the best tag team in the world. But for Hangman, like he he's considering this like his greatest career accomplishment. You know, like he's pulled himself out of this losing streak. He's finally won a major tag team championship. Um, but he's finding that it's not filling like this hole of this insecurity that he feels within himself. You know, like I remember there's a BTE after he wins it. They're on the Jericho cruise um, and he like wakes up and he's like hung over and the, there's like glare coming off the belt um, from the sun hitting the belt in his eyes. And he's just like, oh, God, what's going on? What, what happened last night? And he can't even remember his champion and he's going around all day. He's like having to act like he's a champion, but and know he's a champion, but still not feeling like it internally. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's really human. Like, it's it's a very human thing. Uh, and it's not, like, something that you see explored in wrestling very much, that sort of insecurity. I, I love that from Hangman. And I love how it contrasts with how Kenny is in, in relation to winning the tag. It's, it's funny with, with that contrast you bring up. Um, the, the Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar relationship, it was just kind of explored a little bit on Winning Time, like their show on HBO. I've read the book before, and... Um, there's a famous story of, and it's a little bit different than, you know, how these guys reacted. But um, after the first game they ever played to, uh, with each other, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hit a game-winning hook shot from about 15 feet away, Magic Johnson passing the ball. It's the first game of the season, mind you. Kareem's been in, mm. been he's already been an NBA champion, all-NBA player, MVP for about 10 years in the league. This is Magic mm. Johnson's first game. They win the game on a buzzer beater. Magic jumps in in his arms, and then Kareem just has like this stoic kind of look on his face, like, oh, I, I, it's just another game for me. Mm. And then Magic is like going crazy, and then the the famous story is Kareem looks at him and says, "We have 81 more of these to to go." And I kind of relate that a little bit to Kenny and Hangman. Like I remember the celebration, like hangman's getting passed on on the crowd crowd surfed and uh and and drinking the beer and all that he's just like (laughs) yeah i'm a champ now cool like (laughs) yeah so i guess this is for for kenny it's like i guess this is another one to add to the collection right like i've been when you've been iwgp singles champ and beat okada in a two and three two out of three falls match like you know being the aw tag team champion is not doesn't feel like the greatest thing ever, but for Hangman, it's like, wow, this is, this is huge. (laughs) You know, when it comes to the young bucks, um, you know, they were initially kind of supportive of Hangman and Kenny, although a bit, a bit um, pissed off because the reason that Hangman and Kenny got the number one contendership was uh, Hangman stealing a blind tag in a four way tag match to be the number one contenders. Um, he, he stole a blind tag and and took the pin um, to, to win that match. But they were, you know, initially supportive of them, you know, uh, kind of being like, oh, yeah, we're all the elite, but 
were increasingly frustrated with Hangman's continual rejection of them, um, even when they did try and support him and, and bring him back into the fold. And they were, you know, they had a good reason for not being able to court a Hangman. As I said earlier, you know, they had the Escalera de la Muerte match against the Lucha Bros scheduled just before Hangman's match. So they were like, look, we've kind of got to focus on other things, which is fair enough. You know, like they were in the openers when Co- when Kenny was main eventing the head, the Tokyo, right. the Tokyo, and, and they had time to have to have a shower to recover and then come out. You know, they weren't it, it was fresh like off they, being dropped, dropping themselves on their head. It was in a, another like kind of corner that was like the elite only corner or they only corner one wrestler, like and. Up until you know Adam Cole ended up coming in, which I'm sure they'll explore one day. But at this point, it was it was like a, a subtext of like, yo, you're not on the level. Like we're yeah. not gonna like we're not gonna treat you like we treat Kenny. Hmm. I was gonna say with Hangman like um, in the Bucks, and this this is a friendship dynamics thing here. Like this can be in like when relationships dynamics change within friendships and the person that wants to change that dynamic or is growing into another dynamic goes, mm. uh, comes across the people that are fine with everything the way it is. Like there's going to be a little bit mm. of resistance there. And I always thought between mm. Hangman and Matt Jackson, there was always a lot to explore because Matt yeah. would just keep it blood raw with them essentially. And then Hangman just had this look in his eyes. Like he wanted to kill this guy because it's like, yo, you're mm. trying to keep me boxed into being the little homie. I am not mm. the little homie anymore. And yeah. And for those who don't follow the elite, like, mm. you know, every single movement of them, even though Kenny is like the big single star, Matt Jackson is kind of like the captain of the elite. He is like the guiding, like the brains of the elite, the the guiding force of it. And so him sort of being like, hang man, you kind of got to get in line a little bit. That's that's a bigger thing. Like that's quite a big thing for him to be doing. Um, and, and you can see, you know, like you can see from their perspective why they're getting a bit frustrated at all of this um, because they're like together we're going to be better um, because we can make each other better together. So, Hangman, get back in the fold. Like, we'll work on this together. Like, it, are, but, it already works. Like, w- like we set up yeah, the promotion. We have a exactly. formula. Yep. Know your yep, role, yep, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can see, like, from both sides why it, it's frustrating. And, like, the match itself, it would be set up two weeks before this. So it didn't actually have a long build once the official match was announced, but because they had such rich character stuff going into it, it, it didn't matter at all. Um, the Bucks won a tag team battle royale, and that same night, Kenny and Hangman successfully defended their titles against the Lucha Bros in like another fantastic match. Which uh, at some point, I'm going to have to cover with someone because that's a really good match that everyone overlooks and forgets about. But you can see, like right from the word go, Hangman is like very uncomfortable with the fact that he's going to have to go against the Young Bucks, uh, and then that sort of that uncomfortableness like turns into aggressiveness. He feels like I'm feeling insecure about this. What am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to put up a front of aggressiveness. And it, the main build for it is like a very tense sit down segment with JR that they have. There's like lots of barbs flying around. Uh, and I feel like at this point, Rich, like up until this point, this relationship between hangman and, the Bucks, it, it probably could have been salvaged, but this is where like things get said that couldn't ever really be unsaid. Um, like between these two, 
like particularly there's this bit at the end and it's the bit that everything focused on um there's there's sort of lots of stuff building up to it but there's this bit at the end where nick says you were just a jobber in roh before we put you in the bullet club and it's something that everyone knows and and hangman hangman knows more than anyone else because yes. he know he knows that because he was working until he got put in the bullet club and that's when he could become a full-time wrestler so no one knows that more than hangman page but you can't say it to him because once you say that you change the dynamic of the relationship forever. Yeah. Um, I was rewatching this thing and this was just fascinating to look at. Like the bucks look a tad bit younger at this time. Like they've since mm. aged a little bit um, to me. Um, Kenny, all those, all those flights over the East coast. <laughs> yeah, man, a whole <laughs> pandemic to deal with, but yeah. Um, Kenny had this resigned kind of look of like oh, my fucking like like well here it is the <laughs> like they've they like I like I've peeped like the resentment between these two and it's exploding here on my watch I'm gonna just try to I like not offend anybody he was kind of re- resigned and then Hangman's like drunk essentially during it yeah. and Ross is just asking all the questions to, to stir up shit and eventually Matt Jackson loses it because Matt is, you know, uh, you know, he's the firecracker and then Nick jumps in and usually Nick is like just kind of comedy relief, hilarious. And then he turns dead serious with the, you're just a jobber and ring of honor stuff. And that's like, that, that goes beyond like, yo, you were some jobber. He was telling that man, you without us you were nothing like like Mm. we made you like not even like Mm. you know like like not bullet club essentially we made you Mm. like we put you in bullet club like we're the ones that Mm. that that brought you into this company that 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 made you be able to really make yourself into something like and don't forget it. And we're going to hold it right here. And if you want to scrap over it, we'll always beat you. That, that was kind of like this subtext under it. Mm. And it's interesting. Yeah. Like this reminded me of like a really bad session of couples therapy, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, like particularly Omega, he's like trying to say stuff that is going to, he's just going to try and promote peace. Like he's going, Oh, yeah, the Young Bucks. I think they're probably the greatest tag team ever. And that's like a genuine thing that he believes. He's going to have good conversation, you know, good competition. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says that. And then Hangman's just steaming beside him because he's like, we're the fucking champs, mate. Like, come on. (laughs) Don't you care about the fact that we're the champs and these guys want to take it off us? Um, And and then like Hangman will say something. The Bucks start to get arced up and, and, and Kenny's trying to calm down both sides. Um, yeah, you feel you feel for Kenny sort of stuck in the middle of it, but you can see everyone's perspective as well. Like the young bucks are like, we were the ones that got up and said we want to make tag team wrestling a main event prospect. And we we would be the ones that would be at the forefront of that. Of course we did because we were the tag team, but we're not, and so we're going to do everything we can too because we're ambitious. Like we want to be champions. Why else would we be in this if we didn't want to be champions? Uh, and Hangman's like, I thought you were meant to be my friends, and now you want to take my greatest achievement ever off me? What kind of a friend does that to to someone? And my partner here doesn't even care about this championship. That means so much to me either. <laughs> yeah, everything is – everyone is relatable. Everyone has a point of view and a perspective that is nuanced and complex. I love, like, this kind of character construction in wrestling. 
it's like you can look at it from from either way. We you can look at it from the friendship dynamics, or you can just look at this as the spirit of competition, like and and how it changes people. Mm. Yep, yep. Uh, let's get let's get into the match um, because all of it sort of bubbles up. In, it's like this cauldron, and then they're about to light a fire under it, start to boil over. Uh, it starts with a tale of the tape, actually. Um, that's not something that stuck around. I can't remember when they stopped doing that, but they've certainly stopped doing it by now. I think Revolution may have been one of the last to do it. Um, we get a really great video package sort of detailing what happened in the build-up. Really great song underneath it as well. This reminded me of, like, the heyday of the WWE video packages, like, your, you know, your Daniel Bryan monster packages where, you know, you just you watch it and you feel so, so emotionally affected by it and you immediately get the emotion and the story of the match kind of condensed uh into just a little package bucks are out first they've got great gear as always um interestingly and these are these are things that these guys think about nick is wearing an elite banner matt jackson is not wearing an elite banner um ben Danner, sorry um nick jack matt jackson is not wearing one uh, Hangman comes out first for his team. As I said, I love that these guys maintain separate entrances throughout the whole thing. Um, he was so over. Uh, and, oh, massively, massively over. Like, almost, he definitely was massively over in the year where he was champ, the, the time he was champion, um, you know, 2021 through 2022. But at this point, like, this was, this man was being worshipped and adored. Um yeah. And they, they they must have mic'd the crowd in a very well, good way in this this particular one. And, like, he's immediately aggressive. Before Kenny even comes out, he's, like, getting in Matt Jackson's face uh, in the ring. Uh, and and Kenny comes out with his his big-time big entrance. Uh, I, one of the things I loved at Revolution, which I think I wish they'd do again, was the wristbands flashing. Um, do you remember the wristbands, Rich? I do. I do. That was a, that was a cool thing. But maybe it's... Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's, that's expensive or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, can't be cheap. <laughs> yeah, when they're, they're doing some bigger arenas now, so maybe like you know, costs a lot to put you know, costs a yeah. lot more to put twelve thousand of those into a thing than maybe five thousand or whatever whatever they got for, <laughs> for for that. So like when once the match starts, Kenny and Nick they're they're first to get in. They have to kind of back Matt and Hangman up. Matt and Hangman are like very much at each other's throats, ready to go. And, and Kenny and Hangman are both like, calm down, guys, get in the corner. There's, there's like, clear tension between Hangman and Kenny as well. Hangman's not super happy that Kenny is trying to calm him down. And it should also be noted that Kenny's shoulder is taped because just a few days earlier, he had an Ironman match with Pac, uh, and Pac turned targeted his shoulder for his finish of the brutalizer uh early on we get like this really clean pairing of, of nick of kenny and nick having you know like this cool back and forth and after one of them they even like do the little handshake the new japan handshake where they slap hands and do a fist bump uh and then that's contrasted by hangman and matt tagging in and uh, hangman spitting in matt jackson's face uh, and they have honorable. to get broken up again by the by the tag team partners Not, um, what did this, you think this was the, like the two different pairings <laughs> like uh, I, here's the thing about hangman where um we talked about a lot on one nation radio is like why do people like he gets to just do these things and people like this when these are the actions of an asshole like like if you spit in your friend's face your friend should fire on you right like but i think this is like it 
this is the first thing in the match that sets up this almost like uh this war of unforgivables which there's another one yep. later on in the match yeah yeah and yeah as i said like with that thing there's things that couldn't that they said that couldn't be unsaid and there's things that they're doing in this that can't be undone and will ultimately destroy this relationship and, and poison this relationship even if they do sort of remain tacitly together um there's things that will be done here that will come back even even to to kenny and hangman um and poison mm-hmm. their relationship we can't go into every single detail unfortunately we'll go into a lot <laughs> yeah suffice to say that like at every opportunity hangman goes after matt's back um which is a huge thing Matt Jackson was injured. Uh, he had, he copped a copped a big back injury at the start of 2018, and all through 2018 uh, and 2019, he had issues with that back. <laughs> um, whether they were real or not, who knows? <laughs> but he it was real in it was real in the story. Um, while Kenny is committed to the match, um, but he does hold Hangman back from the worst of his instincts. He like stops Hangman from slamming Matt onto a ring bell early on. Uh, and you know, like really going, really going after that back in a bad way, um, potentially like permanently injuring it or something. Uh, after Matt fa- finally tags out, we get like an awesome Nick Jackson hot tag. And while Hangman and Kenny are able to get some shots in, I feel like Nick and Mac sort of control it using their superior teamwork, uh, and they're able to control the match. I love I like it when you get a team doing that to two singles competitors. You know, the singles competitors when they can manage to get it one on one, they it makes sense that they can overpower. But when they are able to bring in their teamwork, uh, we the the tag team uh, that is like seasoned and has lots of experience together is able to to be the one that takes control. We saw that yeah, at Double or Nothing 2021 in in like an even more emphasised way when you got Mox and Eddie Kingston against the Young Bucks. Uh, That's like the little the, brother of this match I consider. Yeah, yeah. In 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 many ways, I. I like that comparison. It's def. There's a lot. There's a lot to that comparison, actually. I, I want to ponder on that for a little while and maybe come <laughs> back to it in another podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, the crowd's just super into it. Um, particularly as Hangman starts to gain ascendancy, as as we said, like he is over in a huge way. Particularly when he starts taking on both the brothers at once. We even get like a, a fuck him up, Hangman, fuck him up chant going on. Yeah. Um. And and I can see why, like as you said, like of course he is treading a line where you know he's this character that people love, but he is not necessarily always doing what like a you know a purely heroic person, a traditionally heroic person would do. Right. Um, but he does have really cool offense, which definitely helps. <laughs> and the Bucks, man, they bump so hard for him in this reach. Yeah, um, I think at this point in the match. The the Bucks are just showing that they have what Kenny and Heyman will never have, which is like the tandem offense, like the or the automatic tandem offense, the mm. the Stephen Clay like efficiency, like w- with their moves. But at the same time, like when it's time to give it back, like the Bucks are like the Bucks are crazy madmen that will make their opponents look great. Yeah, uh, an interesting comparison would be like the Bucks. They don't even need to call their moves. They just know what's going on. Whereas Hangman and Kenny, it's like, get him, get over there. Like they're pointing and, right. and talking to each other to to like tell each other what's going on. Whereas the Bucks, like, they just they're know. Call, 
They know they're, they're calling plays. Be. The Bucks are running offense. Mm, yeah, exactly. And you know the Bucks are just seamlessly as Kenny or Hangman go to tag, they're like pulling off the neutral man, uh, pulling them down, or you know just being there at the perfect time to 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 turn a single move into a double team move uh, and, and add that emphasis. Um, we do start to get like some near fall sort of halfway through. We get like a Canadian destroyer from Nick to Hangman, which gets a close two count. Uh, we get a made in Detroit from the Bucks, a little nod to the Motor City Machine Guns there. Uh, Hangman does a crossface chicken wing to Matt Jackson, of course, the finisher of Marty Skrull. Um, oh, that, that, that kind of that ages badly. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of dates this thing for uh, you know a before a certain movement happened. Um, after that, though, like a really cool little counter, Matt Jackson like rolls out of it, and Nick immediately hits a 450 splash onto Hangman, who's like laying prone after holding Matt in the in the crossface chicken wing. And then there's another really cool one. Kenny does the You Can't Escape Slam uh, and then Moonsault. And then Hangman hits a running shooting star press and gets straight back up, picks up Nick off the top turnbuckle and hits a, a fallaway slam off the top rope. These guys pace this match so well um, where, like, the the near falls get closer and closer, the moves get bigger and bigger, and the pace picks up as it goes along, like, that's the superpower of the Bucks, I feel like. Yeah, this is it's kind of like a movie. So like, I'll, I'll give a, a a movie that you know most people have seen, like Scarface. The part where he's getting married, he's buying the tiger, they're uh, opening his sister's uh, hair shop. That's what this part of the match is. Like, it's like all the highlights, the 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 shit that's gonna get chopped up for the the <laughs> ten best moves of the young bucks. Like, it's gonna come from this portion of the match, and mm. then after that, it's like the deeper story is gonna set into this thing. Like, people are gonna really take a position after this, and uh, this is part of the genius, as you mentioned. Mm. Uh, and Kenny getting back to like the story of it as, as, uh, these sort of, these moves start to escalate, the near falls get closer and closer. Kenny gets tagged in for a hot tag and he comes in like a house on fire. He's just hitting V triggers left, right and center. And I think like in my mind, in the story, he's seeing what's going on and he's like, okay, I can see that this is like escalating out of control. Hangman is getting more and more pissed. Matt Jackson is like, he's already doing stuff that we can't forgive. Nick, I can see Nick's getting pulled into it because Nick starts to really get, like, really get into it and, and really get into, particularly into Hangman. Um, you're like, he's, he's starting to boil over as well. Uh, and Hang, Kenny's just like, okay, it's up to me now. <laughs> I've got to end this by myself. Um, I'm going to have to do this on my own. Main event, Kenny Omega time. V triggers yep. everywhere. But the Bucks, they are smart. They sm- they're smart to that. They know Kenny Omega. They know his offense, and they manage to use that to isolate him. Um, they leave Hangman laying up on the ramp. Matt Jackson does, like, a huge suplex onto the Perspex glass, and they hit an indie taker on him. Matt is then getting stuck into Kenny because he's like, we're best when we're aggressive. I'm getting aggressive at everyone at this point. Uh, and he's like going to super kick him, wants to do a super kick party on him. Nick's less enthusiastic about it, but goes along with it. And then Kenny is kneeling in the middle of the talking about unforgivable things. Kenny is kneeling yep. in the middle. They pick up his hands. 
They hit him with a golden trigger, which is, of course, the finisher of, of Kenny's former tag, Kenny and his former tag team partner, Kota Ibushi. But after covering him, Kenny kicks out at one and just punches the mat over and over again. Apparently, he punched it so hard he broke his hand. Rich, why would the Young Bucks do this to him? Uh, and is this the moment that, like, truly puts the match over the edge? Yes, for one. Uh, I remember when this happened. I was at Jeremy and Josh's apartment. I got up, started storming around the apartment, uh, just, like, cranking up, like, let's fucking go! Let's go! Like, just, you know, r- really living Like Tony Khan at the, uh, yes. the press conference. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> double or nothing. Well, and the- and, and, and this is a this is a page out of Buck's playbook doing something unforgivable. We we know they'll take Ray Phoenix or um, Pentagon's, uh, Pentagon's mask, mask yep. at, at any second. This was like the equivalent to that, and it was like one, you're doing my own fucking move to me. Two, you're doing my move with a bougie to me. Um, and I'm not about to let you do me like this because before this, as we mentioned in the buildup, Kenny was resigned. To, to it being like competition. Uh, he wasn't really emotionally investing in this. Them doing this to him was like, uh, all right, motherfucker, you going too far. Like you about to, like, we're about to really, you're, you're about to break me out of this malaise that I've been in. And that mm-hmm. dates from the beginning of the promotion that, that knee essentially cracked a new form of Kenny Omega. Um, I think in AEW from this point. Wow. I've never thought about it so fully like that but of course you've got the pandemic which sort of derailed the the storyline a bit but you're i don't think you're far off the truth there that's that's a yeah i love i love that idea and and you know like the history of abushi and kenny and the bucks is like that not so long ago the bucks did not like kenny hanging out with abushi and Mm -hmm. they had be a big tag team rivalry in new japan that got very personal, particularly between Kenny and and Matt. And like, I remember at those, this time it was like it was like oh like the, like the scatter around this match was like oh it's gonna be a not as good version of Bucks versus Golden Lovers, uh, and then this like ended up blowing that one out, out of the water. I think. Yeah, you know, like that's less than it's like eighteen months ago, maybe maybe less than two years ago. They they these guys were at each other a little bit, uh, and. That is like some intense to to know like the I mean you could argue I'm I'm just thinking this now but you could argue that the disillusion of the golden lovers like Kenny having to lose Kota Ibushi perhaps that's one of the things that like put him in the slump and that he that he ended up in and then them hitting this them doing this to him like bust him out of. <laughs> Just, I just something I, I, I kind of thought of. Like, it, yeah. like, I've never really explored that idea before. But when you think about it, like, you know, they they talked about Kenny leaving his heart in Japan a lot of a lot of the time, and mm. you know, things like that. And uh, just looking at it from an out of kayfabe perspective, like, I imagine there is like I, my my rule about wrestlers in Japan is eventually you got to come home, right? Mm. And Kenny leaving New Japan. It's like, yo, I don't think he necessarily wanted to leave New Japan as far as like everything that he had put into it. You know, he sh- should be seen as the top star, but they're never really going to make you like no numero uno. Like there's always going to be Okada. There's always going to be something, something else like that. And, you know, rightfully so. 
but he almost got his own exit strategy to AEW, and it was almost like, all right, I'm I'm here, but is it really like everything that I've worked for? Like, is there like mm. a, really a mountain to climb here? And maybe it was unfocused, like yeah, you know, back back in the storyline, and, and then he, this pulled him back into it. He certainly wasn't as fired up as the Jericho. He definitely wasn't against Pac. He was better than Pac, and he just he could just beat Pac. The only other thing I'm thinking of is the John Moxley feud. Is that just him being like, I need to fuck myself up so much just so I can feel something? Like I need to dive <laughs> into like a drugs. into a into a bed of barbed wire just so I can feel something because I'm so numb to it all at the moment. Like I'm so numb to wrestling. I need to do a phoenix splash onto floorboards because yep. none of this means anything to me at the moment. Winning tag team belts, it, we, we, as we talked about, he's like kind of nonplussed about it. But suddenly it's real to him <laughs> when this when this happens and the crowd, man, the crowd goes. They were they did what I you were turned doing. on the young bucks after this, yeah. and I never <laughs> turn on the young bucks. Yeah. yeah, if if the crowd was split up to that point, obviously as we were saying, they're cheering for Hangman, but like they are fully against the young bucks at this point. Uh they they go mental with Kenny. Kenny like begs them to kick him again. Uh, and they, they like go and both knee him again and he kicks out at two. And then Matt, he goes after Kenny's injured shoulder uh, and is just like raking at it, just punching at it and eventually gets pulled off by Nick. And Nick's like, okay, calm down, mate, calm down. Let's just finish this. He gets him up for the Meltzer driver. But by that stage, Adam Page is back in. Hangman's back. He's able to pull Nick off the Nick off the ramp and put him through a table uh, that's at ringside. Uh, and then Kenny and Hangman are able to hit their buckshot V trigger on Matt. But Kenny's injured shoulder. Um, and he's the legal man. He tries to put the pin on Matt, um, but he can't fully hold Matt down because of his injured shoulder. Uh, and Matt is able to kick out at two from the, the tag team's finisher. Uh, and then when Kenny gets Matt up to try and hit the one-winged angel, he can't get a grip because of his injured shoulder, uh, and Matt is able to get out of that. And then that causes Hangman to tag himself in and him do what Kenny Omega did beforehand and be like, all right, it's all up to me now. And he gets Matt Jackson up on shoulders and hits the one-winged angel um, for his own pin that is only interrupted by Nick Jackson diving back into the ring. Rich, as we've spoken of already, like you're a massive Kenny Omega fan. Um, the one-winged angel, that's like one of the most protected and the most identifiable moves in all of wrestling. How do you feel about other people doing the one-winged angel? I love it. Like it's, you know, it's a form of homage in a sense. And it shows that, you know, I, I kind of look at it like this. Like I'm, I'm a dork about moves and all that. And uh, I'm a big Jake the Snake Roberts fan, uh, big Shawn Michaels fan. And it's like, all right, you guys can do the same moves, but it's how you do the moves. Like there's a reason that it works for one person and it doesn't work for the other. Like Jake the Snake's DDT isn't going to be, you know, your, your run of the mill. Just, you know, DDT. DDT. Right. It's not the rock DDT where, where, where they're doing a front flip out of it. No, it's like, you know, you're falling and dying on this thing. But, um, yeah, I, I don't mind things like that. Like, you know, it, it what, what, what Kenny does it like it's it won best move in the observer for a lot of years um, this past decade. I'm also a fan of the V trigger. Um, so th those moves kind of work hand in hand, but I don't, I don't have a problem with, with other people doing it. 
Yeah. Uh, I love in story that, like, when Hangman is like, I just need to get this over with. Everything's relying on me. I can't rely on my tag team partner anymore. He's done. His shoulder's cooked. His heart's not in it. Right. I'm going to pull out what is the most devastating move I know. I'm going to pull out the one-winged angel. He tries to hit it. Like, he's trying, kind of, he's trying to be Kenny almost at that point. Would have got the pin if it wasn't for Nick Jackson diving in. Um, But the final movement, Hangman tosses Nick over the ropes. Um, Of course, Nick did go through a table, so he's still pretty weak. Go tosses him over the ropes onto the ramp um, before leaping over it, hitting Nick with a buckshot lariat. Uh, and then he goes back into the ring uh, and he hits Matt with another buckshot lariat to get the three count. What did you think of that? Like just that final movement from Hangman. When he hit that buckshot, you knew it was a wrap. I believe Matt like spun out of it for the cell. Like, oh, yep. like, oh, this is it. And then the camera cut. It was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the, the finality of it. And uh, at this point, we have just been like through a wave of intense storytelling insane sequences the 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 spots like kenny kicking out at one which i I remember um i want to say maybe like maybe like a year and a half after the match i was just scrolling on twitter and someone like had put up that clip of that part and i saw it and i dropped right back in the moment of watching it and yeah is that is that the clip i saw a clip going around before where it's got like music behind it and it's like serene music, and then they hit it, and he kicks out at one, and it's it's almost like a TikTok moment where the music or a Harlem Shake moment, gotcha. where like the music just like flips, and and it's just super intense. I think it was like metal or something. It's super intense metal music, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that that just really captures the power of that moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think the one I saw was just the the move, and then you know they cut to the fan that starts going crazy and. I am that fan. So it's, yeah. it's really awesome. Uh, but yeah, like this, this whole match, like, you know, love the ending uh, for it. Mm. And, and talk about, as you've said on one nation radio, the elite, like the Kenny and the bucks, they did a lot to put hangman over. Um, they, they were dead set on, on get making hangman a star. And at this point, the crowd is really behind him, but like you talk about a movement to put someone over, Hits the one-winged angel, like the most souped-up move in all in all of all elite wrestling. Uh, nearly gets the fall, and then what does he do? He beats both of them with his move, <laughs> like just chucks like, Nick over the like this is, and this he, is a he does it again. And to and and the buckshot lariat, like that is a great move. As we've seen, Hangman pulls it off so so easily and so spectacularly um, that it's easy to forget how complicated that movie is until you see CM would, Punk try and do it. I was just going to say CM that. Punk, he's never been mistaken for like Ricky Steamboat, right? Like he has always been, uh, but he's, he's never been a slouch in the ring by any, any stretch of the imagination, but like him trying to pull that off. There's a pause. It's not fluid, but hang man, every time he does it, he just nails it. And it's such a spectacular move. Yeah, like it, it just, I'm like, you know, when you see Hangman do it for years and years, it's like, Oh, it's just a front flip. And then he, drops it to the clothesline or whatever. Then you see someone else do it, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, he's actually <laughs> doing something that is, like, not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's exactly, exactly. Now, of course, 
Kenny and Hangman take the win. But this discussion would not be complete without talking about what happens in the post-match moments. Because you talk about like unforgivable things and things that they would have looked back on at some point. Um, we get that in the post-match. After some replays, Kenny kind of goes over to the Bucks and like at first, or the Bucks actually come over to Kenny and Hangman really at first. And, and Kenny's kind of like pushing them away initially at first. I love like the the complexity of the relationship um, you know, it's, he's not immediately straight on the same page with the young bucks, but you can see him sort of come around. Like he cools down from the moment the adrenaline's leaving his body. And he, he like remembers what the bucks mean to him, you know, starts to see them as his mates again, instead of like these people who've done terrible things to him. Uh, and, you know, he, he gets back with them, gives them the, the little new Japan handshake thing that they do. And they're sort of stationed in the middle of the ring, and Hangman is not there. They sort of reach out to Hangman, but he rejects them. And then there's, like, just a little moment where you're like, oh, this looks a lot like what happened when they kicked AJ Styles out of the out of the Bullet Club back mm-hmm. in the day. And then, for his own part, Hangman Page leaves the ring. The Bucks sort of roll out, and Kenny's standing alone in the middle of the ring. And just for a moment... Hangman puts down the belts, holds the ropes with his hands up and down like he's about to leap over them. And Kenny looks at him and you can see like Kenny saw that. And Hangman knows that Kenny saw that. But Hangman faints that his his hand that was facing up the wrong way, which is the kind of the give that he was going to he was thinking about the buckshot to like just motion for Kenny to come over uh, and and then opens the ropes for him. Did you think at this point that either of these triggers were going to be pulled, Rich, when you're watching this one live? Yes, I thought both of them were going to happen. I was like, it was like, <laughs> I, I was fully bought in from the uh, from the match, obviously. And then when I saw these like little things, I'm like, man, it, it just makes me think now. It's like, yeah, the match ended, but the story never ends with these guys. Like it just keeps going. Like there's, you know, the, no one rolled out and and walked to the back after this. Like there was still something to be done. Like and this is just masterful as far as the storytelling yep. goes. And then knowing where AEW goes from here. And or kind of where it was set to go. Of course, the pandemic kind of messed things up. And I, you know, we'll yeah. never know what was going to happen in the blood and guts match. But yeah, it was um, it, it was it was interesting to see. And you can, I, I would love one day whenever you know the books are written and you know the the podcasts are done, the DVDs are dropped, like for them to kind of spill the beans on where this was all headed. Mm, yeah, and and I just love how. As we've said, everything is believable. Like, you can understand at this point the Bucks and Kenny just being like, this guy, this guy. He doesn't fucking get it. He's he's dead to us. He doesn't yeah. get it. We're, we're trying to offer, like, we, we all know that we've just done some stuff. But he, you've done stuff to us, too, and we're offering you a hand. We're, we're offering to say, let's put this behind us. Let's go forward together. And he's rejecting that. But then you can see from Hangman as well like these guys just tried to take away what i hold most dear at the moment and kenny omega i couldn't rely on you you don't even care about these tag team matches you don't even care about this tag team championship five four or five days ago you were having this giant singles match with hank with park and it ended up nearly costing us the match like i you can understand him being done with kenny at that point as well um but it's always a tease these 
these guys are some of the great teasers in, in all of pro wrestling. Like these guys, they just know the things to do to make you just want to keep watching and just make you want to keep seeing what's going to happen next. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I love last thing I'll say about it. I love how the commentators are like questioning what they've just seen as well. Um, we haven't talked at all about the commentate in this because like, honestly, I don't know one commentator say throughout this, this match. It's just not something that I can even remember, but I love at the end, Tony Schiavone goes, maybe I just saw something. And Excalibur goes, Tony, I think I saw the same thing. And it's just like everyone, it's just confirming just, we've all just seen this thing. And it's just saying, yes, you just saw that. We saw that. You were right to think that. (laughs) Right, right. Anyway, let's get on to the legacy of this match. What I, the first question I wanted to ask, sort of going out of this, Hangman and Kenny would go on and they would have other matches. They would be quite the tag team. Um, what did you think of them sort of as a, as a tag team package and just their generally their run with the AEW Tag Team Champions Championships? I thought they were uh, really good tag team champions. If I had to, you know, say, you know, rank it, I would say they were the second best uh, tag team champions there have ever been mm. in AEW. Uh, of course, number one being the Bucks, like the year after they would that yep. run they'd have. But um, this was really the peak of them as a tag team. Obviously, they never mm. like had a match that good again. But from there, it was kind of like, it, all right, it's time to roll the story downhill a little bit. Um, of course, they missed mm. some time uh, because of the pandemic and uh, some some of the stuff got halted. And then they were back in Daly's place alone, kind of. Um, you know, with no fans and they were trying to keep it mm. up. It wasn't at the same level um, as it was before mm. that, but it was still really good uh, regardless. But mm. I think the, the story had been told essentially. And like, we were just mm. kind of waiting to get to the next uh, chapter. Yeah. Yeah. In stadium stampede, they, which of course I covered in the, the season finale for season one, they do have like sort of a lovely unifying moment uh, in the bar uh, at, during the stadium stampede. And it seems like they're back on the same page. And then they have like a series with Jurassic Express, um, which I thought was hilarious seeing Kenny just like lose it to Marco Stunt. Um, and then, of course, you had like the 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 serial of, of what happened when FTR joined the ranks uh, and sort of really started to divide Kenny and Hangman the way they divide a ring in their in their wrestling style. Uh, and that ultimately culminated in them losing the match in a match that people wanted to be this one, um, but it just wasn't in the end. Um, it was still a very good match, but it lived too much in the shadow of this match, I feel like. Uh, and and because it was the Kenny and Hangman story, uh, it was always going to be tied to this match. You were at that match live, um, Rich. Do you have any, like, because I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever talk about it on this this podcast, honestly. Yeah. Um, I- uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that match, having seen it live and, and thought about it afterwards. I remember being very disappointed when I saw it. I thought it was really slow. I think it was a it was a bad show overall. Like I think it's the weakest AW pay view that there's ever been. It was hot mm. as hell, which I'm sure contributed to some of that. I, it was like 85, 90 degrees out there at night in Florida, and it was like the humidity sticky was sticky as well. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. So it was like wrestling under those conditions. I didn't know whether the conditions were doing this, whether FTR was responsible for this, because I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna blame it on Kenny and Hank man but um you know it was it was cool it wasn't great or anything uh but Mm. seeing that uh the the walkout 
after that was what was really kind of like, huh, what's going on here? And uh, and yeah, they left it wide open enough to where Kenny didn't have to attack him. It was like he just let the man fall like like you you dumbass. Like mm. You got tricked by these by these guys and um, these idiots. And I saw through he, them the whole time because he saw right, through them. I saw through them. And, and this is why drinking is stupid and, and all this stuff. And fuck this. I'm going singles. I'm walking out this building now. And and kicks in a brilliant moment, kicks the beer can at the camera and like hits the camera dead on. Kenny Omega rejects drinking. Yeah. <laughs> we are the elite are drug free. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, that's the end of the tag team. I look one day I, in my mind, I have fantasy books that, and, and I thought Cody would be involved in this as well, but I reckon one day down the line, we're going to get the reunion of the elite and it's going that's to be a story. beautiful story of them like all coming together. Cause the fan man, like, the OG fans, like if they want to treat the OG fans of AEW, like maybe the five year anniversary or something of AEW launching or something, the elite finally reunite. They like move through it all and we get like a glorious, a glorious five man tag match with uh, Kenny, Hangman, the Bucks, and I guess Brandon Cutler, or Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody. I, I, I'd uh, honestly want Brandon Cutler over Cole to be honest right now, but that's just my own. <laughs> It's my own my own taste showing through there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I honestly I thought did. Cody would be part of that. Um, sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah. The the Cody thing is is a weird thing of it. Like that's something that was lost. You know that that reunion that that would be in the future with all those guys. But um, we'll get the real story one day. And I, I imagine yeah. it's it's yeah. very, like we've spent many hours. We have a great playlist available on YouTube on One Nation Radio talking about like essentially Cody's last six months in AEW and then thinking about everything that went around it and the way he separated himself from uh, the elite. It was almost like, uh, you know, a story as old as time. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Two two people who think they're alphas, one of them really being the the man, and then the other one feeling like they got to make a move. But I'll, I've got I'll my... just leave that. That's definitely I definitely recommend that playlist though. There's some great rants on that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I got my um what I wrote at the time. I voted voted this the match of the year uh, in 2020 on Voice of Wrestling poll. Uh, I believe it won theirs as well as well as yep. this poll. Um, I believe it won you know in the Observer match of the year. Yep. Voted for it there. Uh, I said, uh, when the elite fights, no one hits personal issues out of the park like them. I've never seen a greater tag team match. Callbacks, athletics, story beats, false finishes, a molten lava level hot crowd, and four men authoring a classic filled with confidence, doubt, and one's desire to not be seen as less than. AW Revolution is going to be a lot of people's show of the year in 2020, and this match is why. The other week, I came across the clip of Kenny kicking out of the Bucks version of the Golden Trigger on Twitter, and it immediately dropped me back in the moment where I was storming around my friend's apartment, fired up for my favorite wrestler, not going out to his own move from these two dickheads, the Bucks. However, this was <laughs> Hangman's night from the moment he entered the arena until he scored the winning fall for his team. This is another Bucks match that they can use to tell naysayers to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. This gave AEW the untouchable match that it needed in this young history and the best match of 2020. 
couldn't agree more with everything you wrote there, Rich. Um, that that's puts it very succinctly um, what we've just spent an hour talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I want to get into some discussions around this and like you know its legacy in AEW. My question, I guess, is is this still the best AEW match ever? It was undisputed at the time that it was. It was undisputed at the time when we did the original um, definitive match guide list. Is it still the best match in AEW history? I think it is. And I think the reason it is is because, like, we got to look at what the goal of the matches were. It was, I think this match was to create um, a new main eventer, like, and give them that in-ring credibility, like that that best in the world level, like, main event style guy. Like, we all know the, it's like the Bucks are, like, two, like, they've joked about it as, like, they're two Ric Flairs and a tag team. Like, um, (laughs) you know, the... Like they're talented enough to carry it in the ring as main eventers, but they just have to be a team. And this was really giving Hangman a match at the level he'd never had. And as long as he has that on his resume, that's going to help him a lot. Um, you know, this was I, I just don't think anything's gotten to this level. Like I, I love Omega and Danielson. I love the Lucha Bros cage match with the Bucks. I love the ladder match with the Bucks. Um you know, I love Moxley and Kingston with the Bucks. <laughs> Some of Kenny's other matches. Um, but this is like, I feel like it's it's a three-dimensional match. <laughs> like, like it's like, it, it gets you with the work, it gets you with the story, and it gets you with the, uh, it gets you the real life, the elevation kind of of someone. So, yeah. uh, for me, that's like where it's at. Yeah, for me, this match, it is the fulfillment of the promise of AEW. Like, the reason I got into the Elite was I, I came to Kenny Omega and I was wowed by, like, his athleticism, his explosiveness. Like, those matches against Okada, like, truly, they expanded my mind into what in what pro wrestling could be. Um, because at the time, I had never seen anything like it. Uh, and I, I, I had my mind expanded. But what truly made me fall in love with the Elite was – the story between Kenny and Cody and how like fully they fleshed out those characters, how they explored the motives of both of them uh, and how they like drip fed it to us. Uh, and, you know, it kind of, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue where that kind of ended. Cause it kind of ended with the match with Cody and Omega, which was good, but not great. But it also kind of ended with Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada two out of three falls, because after that match, um, which is the greatest match of all time, where Kenny finally triumphs and wins this IWGP championship. What does he do? He doesn't even pick up the belt. He just embraces his friends, the Young Bucks. Uh, and that blend of stories, really rich, three-dimensional characters, and then all of that like culminating in explosive, incredible, mind-blowing in-ring action, Like that was the promise of AEW. That was what I like. That was what I wanted to see, and that's what they delivered, absolutely with a bullseye here. They they could not have done. I I have no criticism of this match whatsoever. There is nothing they could have done in this match that would have done that would have made it better. They wrestled like a perfect match as far as I'm concerned. There is nothing I would subtract. There is nothing I would add. This match was everything that we wanted AEW to be, and that's why like. I don't know if there will ever be a better AEW match than that because you know, like it, it's 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 a legend on its own 
what would the WWE be without Hogan and Andre? What would AEW be without this match? It is the match of of the promotion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and the, the, you know AEW stands for something elite. You know that that E stands for yep. something in there, and then this is like the elite's defining match. This is like this is where it's at. Like, and uh, there will be more chapters off of this. Yep, I, I and I can't wait. I can't wait to see them. The and only there have been more chapters off of this already. Yeah, so. there's already been more chapters. Yeah, like look, I as, as I said, like I did a, a massive podcast. I was like episode 15 um, with a lovely girl called Caro um, who who loves like the Hangman Kenny story. And we went like really deep into that when we explored their match. And I can't wait to do that again, possibly with her or maybe with someone else. I don't know. But looking at like what happened when they wrestled for the championship, because we only got up to the point where they were wrestling to be number one contender. Um, yeah. You know, there's a year late, there's a year extra uh, in that story. And uh, you know, as we said, like, there is money in a in an elite reunion. I know, like right now in in AEW, there it feels like the elite have taken a back seat in 2022. Like this isn't the promotion that centered it around the elite, which I think is one of the reasons I love 2021 so much was because it was the year of the elite. Like you yeah. had the Bucks and you had Kenny at the top, and everything in the story like revolved around them. Uh, and I think that's possibly why I've found 2022. Like not that I haven't enjoyed it, but possibly a little bit more chaotic because you don't necessarily have like that anchoring point to every single like all of the major divisions yeah uh but there is there is money in a reunion uh and then running this all back again um where they finally get back together uh and and they bury the hatchet they put they put everything aside um that was done and that was said uh and they they get back together um there's there's absolutely money in that and i'd love to see that if, have you got anything else to add about the elite? My last question, if not, my last question is, is like, are there any better tag matches that you've ever seen in your life? Oh, man. All right. First about the elite, I'll, I'll just send it home again. This is the greatest faction in the history of professional wrestling. Um, as far Great. as there being any tag team matches that are better, um, there, there are people that will argue for certain matches from all Japan, like some of the big, like Masao and Kabashi and Holy Demon Army matches. Uh, but if it's not that, I don't know what comes close to this. Um, no, the Usos in than, the New Days, Hell in a Cell. That was a great I, match. I, 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 <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie. I love that match. That was a great match. That I love that match. match. A lot of creativity. You gave it five stars. I remember that. I gave it five stars. Mm. But I was like, I gave this one more than five stars. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that, match was, that match was great. But, like, this is, like... This is a new level, man. Like, like there's a there's a rapper named ASAP Fur. He has a song called New Level. I want y'all to check that out. And uh, that's what this <laughs> match was. The the other one that immediately springs to mind is the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks. That one um, also. Which is like that's the that's like episode one. This is episode two. Um, what did you say was episode three? The Bucks versus Mox and Kenny. Yeah, or Mox and Kingston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mox and Kingston. Yeah. Mox and Kenny, that would be, oh God, that would have been. Man, what kind of team would that? Like me, me and Sam yeah. would be turning the internet, like like we'd yeah. be bullying the internet with a Moxley and the Kenny winners. team. Yep. Uh, they just win. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, look, I I haven't seen the only other one I can think of that I don't know more personally would be the Shield versus the Wyatts. Um, but that's like. 
I don't even know how you compare those two. Like it's just so they're so different. And the only, the reason I say that is because that's literally the match that got me back into watching people other than Daniel Bryan <laughs> wrestling because that was the that was the first the first pay, my first pay per view back was elimination elimination chamber 2014 um back into wrestling because I heard Sam Sam Punk had left and something was going on with Daniel Bryan oh, let's watch this show and then I saw that match and I was like whoa who are these guys you know I think it that, just so happened uh, to be one of the great great six man tag matches ever. <laughs> For an off-the-wall pick, I, I remember an episode of NXT TV. I think it was Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era, and it was oh, yeah. and O'Reilly. That is like yep. a selling masterpiece. And I'm not like someone that even like goes crazy about the selling, like from Trent Seven, and um, that match is insane. Um, but yeah, like I, I still wouldn't put it on this level, but. No, it, it, you know, if you want yeah. to check out another great, great tag team match, check that out. Yep, yep, agreed. I, I'd second that pick as a, it's another great match, but it's not this one. It's not this one. Yeah. Rich, Rich, I have just loved talking about this match. Oh with man, you, I could talk friend. all day about this. Damn Absolutely thing. loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, hope, hope is there like anything more you'd want to say? <laughs> um, is there no. anything more you'd like to say before we get out of here if not just just give your plugs and and we can get out of here no you guys can check me out on uh, one nation radio um me and james you know every monday or so drop um check out some of the columns that uh, we uh, put out and uh you know if you guys want to listen to some music type in rich Latta in any search engine and you'll see some stuff pop up yeah i highly recommend you do all of those things um rich is is a guy who i love chatting around, chatting about <laughs> let, let me start that sentence again <laughs> it's getting late here on a on a saturday evening um rich uh <laughs> rich is, oh my goodness i'll just i'll just say thank you for listening <laughs> thank you for being thank you for being on today rich no um, doubt man i'm getting rusty I, I shouldn't have i shouldn't have had a season break rich this is the problem i shouldn't have had a season break you guys <laughs> don't on one nation uh maybe that's your secret um but look if if you have enjoyed listening if you have enjoyed listening uh i I would love it if you followed me on Twitter. You can find me, sir, underscore Samuel. Uh, it would really mean a lot if you could rate and review it as well. That really helps um, people be able to find out where you're at. I know where find out about this podcast. Um, I know on Spotify, you can give it five stars. On Apple iTunes, you can give it five stars and write a review. Um, you know, whatever you're listening to it on, just see if you can do that, and that would be most appreciated. Uh, and if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so on Red Circle. Uh, there's details and a link in the description. Uh, but otherwise, thank you for listening and feel free to hit either of us up on Twitter and talk about this match. We'd both love to get stuck to it. But apart from that, I will see you all next week for another episode of the AEW Match Guide Podcast. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.